PM board bombs. Now, here's doctors Iltafat Hussein and Blake Briggs. Welcome back to EM Board Bonds. I'm joined here today by... This is where you're supposed to just introduce yourself. I know, I just wanted to see if you would do it if I paused long enough. Uh, yeah, Dr. Blake Briggs. He's still waking up. <laughs> Sorry, Dr. Briggs had a bit of a rough week. Uh, you know, six, six shifts. But now you're going to be on vacation for a little bit. That's right. That's yeah. right. Enjoy New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Nice vacation mm-hmm. plan there. Hey, let's uh, cut to the chase. We are EM board bombs. We like to drop. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> do you think there's anyone who clicked on to listen in and didn't know that? And they're like, oh, okay. Thanks for thanks oh, for letting gosh. me know oh. who you guys are. I was looking up. I was looking up bomb making 101. <laughs> oh, this is the wrong podcast. <laughs> For every 15 or 20 minute episode, we like to drop high yield knowledge. We like to say, you know, come for the stems, stay for the content. When you said EM board bombs, I thought you meant engineering maintenance board bombs. I know you were thinking about that. The machines in your head were just just <laughs> thinking, like, all right, while Hussein continues, what can I do with this EM to make it a little bit hilarious? Hey, let's jump into it. Today we've got a topic from ASAP. It's part of their Pure Cert Plus. They like to call it your study solution for ABEM's My EM Cert exam. Each of their Peer Cert Plus modules is tailored to cover topics designated by ABEM, including core content question case series and more. So this is a continuing collaboration that we've got with ASAP where we lend them our voices and they lend us their content. It's pretty cool. And as usual, we'd also like to plug our premium podcast, EM Rapid Bombs. If you enjoy EM Board Bombs and you want a TikTok version of our podcast, that's what Rapid Bombs is. We're over 150 episodes there. We like to drop two to four minute long episodes, high yield board knowledge, question and answer, so it gets seared into your memory. Hey, Blake, who's EM Rapid Bombs for and who is it not for? It's for people who would rather get short bursts of learning done via audio form while driving, walking the dog, or cat, or working out. We've had signups range from medical students to residents to seasoned attendings. Who is EM Rapid Bombs not for? Well, if you're really into the deep stuff, the nitty-gritty details of every disease pathology, you like to listen to one-hour-long podcasts where the hosts make fun of studies, they make fun of the world except for their institution, and how they're underpowered. Well, there are plenty of other paying podcasts you can sign up, but that's not for you. Then you can sign up for EM Rapid Bombs on emrapidbombs.supercast.com. You can look at the show notes of this podcast as well. It also uh, has a link at EM Board Bombs, our main website. Hey, tell us about the trial we have. We like to call it the titrate up plan. Uh, Say you don't want to jump right in. Try a trial run. Titrate up slowly. Anyways, you can check it out, trial it out for a day, and then continue on if you want. Hey, Briggs, let's jump into this question real quick. Mm-hmm. A 72-year-old woman with a history of hypertension presents with epigastric pain, nausea, and vomiting for three days. She feels like her symptoms started after doing the Krispy Kreme Challenge. This is a donut shop, to those not familiar, that started out in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. 
the donut shop did. This is where you have to eat 12 donuts and immediately walk five miles. <laughs> Again, full 12 donuts. The challenge was actually started at North Carolina State University as an inside joke, and it's turned into a statewide phenomenon that benefits the North Carolina Children's Hospital. I love that. 12 donuts benefiting a children's hospital. She ate all of her 12 donuts and was able to walk the five miles, but since then just hasn't been feeling well. Again, remember, epigastric pain, nausea, and vomiting. She's actually not having any diarrhea with this, cough, or upper respiratory tract symptoms. No chest pain, no shortness of breath or leg symptoms. Her vital signs are unremarkable. The patient's abdomen is soft with very mild tenderness in the epigastric region without rebound or guarding. Lab studies including a CBC, BMP, LFT, lipase, lactate are all pending. Ordering which of the additional tests would be the next best step in this patient's workup? Is it A? chest x-ray and D-dimer, B, CT of the abdomen and pelvis with IV contrast, C, EKG and troponin, or D, pelvic examination with gonorrhea and chlamydia swabs. Dr. Briggs, what's the correct answer? Correct answer here is going to be choice C. EKG and troponin. Oh, yeah. Man, how many people you think are listening and wanted to pick just CT All right, right. They just they <laughs> picked that and they just fast-forwarded 30 seconds and they realized they went too far. They skipped back again, you know? And <laughs> Bingo. I'm like, oh, that's negative. Huh. What? This is a bit of a sneaky question, mm-hmm. but also obvious one as well. Yeah. I feel like everybody knows about ACS. And to... Just everyone, we do know that new guidelines were released by the AHA in terms of chest pain management. We're not going to get into mm-hmm. that. Remember, what you're going to hear from us is going to be what you're going to be tested on or what is at least standard of care right now. So again, not sure. not jumping into high sensitivity troponins, uh, risk stratification scores and things like that, uh, at least with this episode. No, this is pretty straightforward. 72-year-old female with atypical chest pain. You got it. You know? It's very straightforward. I don't think the guidelines would change much on this anyway. So acute coronary syndrome can be divided into three subgroups. We all know this, STEMI, NSTEMI, and unstable angina. And that's currently what's going on right now. And Iltfot's right. A lot of things coming down the pipe in the future. But for right now, that is what is considered standard of care. In contrast to unstable angina, positive biomarkers are found in patients with either STEMI or NSTEMI, of course. In unstable angina, Biomarkers are negative, and it's the history that's heavily relied upon to make the diagnosis, which can be very difficult. The incidence of ACS in the United States is more than 780,000 cases a year, with the majority of them ultimately diagnosed with NSTEMI. The median age of diagnosis at presentation is, guess what? I don't know. Let me, let me give you a hint. It's close to this woman's age. I don't know. Is it 68? Oh, yeah. Good job. Thank you. Yeah, it's an amazing guess. Thank you. 68 in six months, actually. So <laughs> men experience greater rates compared to women with a ratio of three to two. A diagnosis of NSTEMI can be made when there is a rise or fall of cardiac troponin above the 99th percentile, upper reference limit, in combination with acute myocardial ischemia. So MI can be broken down further into things we don't really care about here, which is type 1 or type 2. And type 1, of course, is atherosclerotic plaque, eruption or erosion. And type 2 is from some type of imbalance between 
oxygen demand and supply. You think CHF, hypertension, anemia, or rate-related tachycardia from SVT or AFib with RVR. Wait, so I thought you were going to say type 2 results from just cardiology when they don't want to do anything. Oh, my God. <laughs> Shots fired. Shots fired. I love my cardiologist. Shout out to my cardiologist. Ian bombs <laughs> podcast. <laughs> it's demand. It's like, wait, when is it not demand? Like, what threshold are we going for here? I know, I know. Hey, tell, tell us about this, um, the particular point where this question's for getting sure. here. Yeah, you know, look, women, especially elderly women, they're more likely to present with atypical symptoms for ACS. Pain can be referred to the epigastric region in the setting of ACS, as it was in this question. And that's why there were a couple of moments where you should have had pause, where there wasn't significant pain in the epigastric area. There wasn't diarrhea associated uh, with this patient's symptoms, right? You might think that it's more of a gastroenteritis, but they weren't having the enteritis part of it. Nausea, vomiting, diaphoresis, weakness, and malaise can also be other symptoms of ACS. So that's why getting that EKG troponin would have been the appropriate test to obtain from this patient in the setting of some of those other key things that we mentioned, such as the patient not having diarrhea and having very mild uh, tenderness in the epigastric area. For those with ACS, the typical patient will have chest pain and pressure, but remember that dyspnea is an anginal equivalent. I had this exact conversation the other day with some people at work that may or may not be residents, <laughs> and we were arguing about the benefit of getting troponin in patients that had a COPD exacerbation, they're 70 years old, and they actually had you know, shortness of breath that wasn't really improving with some nebs. I'm like, you have to get a trone these people. It's like, come on. Like, <laughs> right, right. I'm sorry. Like, it's not just like a 20 year old with asthma, you know? And it's been shown that up to 37.5, we'll round that up, 38% of women and 28% of men with ACS present without chest pain. Can I say that again? Hey, say that again. Can the people, say that again, can, man. can the people in the back hear me? Can the people in the back hear me? Say that again. It has been shown that up to 38% of women. And 28% of men with ACS present without chest pain. Preach, Dr. Briggs. Preach. <laughs> Those with ACS and atypical symptoms have a higher overall mortality. More, you know, quote-unquote atypical presentations include pleuritic or sharp chest pain, reproducible pain, epigastric pain, indigestion. Really common things, right? These atypical symptoms are important to keep in mind, especially in patients greater than 75 years old women, diabetic patients, patients with dementia, and those with renal insufficiency. And these are all reasons because it's difficult to diagnose these patients. Patients may also say they don't have pain, but use terms like pressure or it just kind of irritates them a little bit or discomfort to describe their symptoms. In contrast to those who present with typical anginal chest pain, you know, i.e. like pain induced with exertion lasting less than 10 minutes or off to 20 minutes, those presenting with an MI will often complain more of prolonged pain with a pronounced amount of symptoms such as diaphoresis, nausea, vomiting, and shortness of breath. So really critical stuff here. I would say what I just said is pretty much the meat of the podcast. Sorry, Ultifat. Whatever Ultifat says is, is, is okay, I guess. I mean, I'm just trying to, you know, continue to preach, Dr. Briggs, but I'm just trying to back you up some more here, right? Yes, please. <laughs> so we're not saying get a troponin on everyone, first of all, right? But no, I think some of the not. key things that you mentioned were, especially in elderly, especially female, people with comorbidities. And the key thing to me, at least the takeaway was when a patient isn't getting better in a way that we thought they would. So mm -hmm. you have that patient with the epigastric right upper quadrant pain, but all of their LFTs are completely stone cold. Uh, their ultrasound is completely stone cold. They don't even have gallstones there. It's the first time it's ever happened to them. 
you know, you're on this path where you're anchoring towards hey, this is gallbladder because uh, it's got to be the gallbladder. You know, take pause. That's when you really should be having ACS, you know, move up higher on your differential for these patients. Absolutely. Hey, tell us about the physical exam here and let's wrap this up. On physical exam, findings can often be, like we discussed, nonspecific and unreliable. Patients can have elevated blood pressure, low blood pressure, normal blood pressure. It can be all over the place. The pulse can be high, low, or normal. Again, just completely variable. That's why the atypical presentation of it can be very difficult. They can appear pale, distressed, or ill-appearing. Some patients might be even talking on their cell phone. Symptoms or signs of heart failure increase the likelihood of ACS, as an S3 has been shown to be present in 15% to 20% of patients with MI. A new systolic murmur may also be a clue, as it could indicate a papillary muscle dysfunction, a flail mitral leaflet from mitral regurge, or a ventral septal defect. However, certain findings may point to an alternative diagnosis as well. Obviously, here you're thinking aortic dissection, pericarditis. So again, just very nonspecific in regards to your physical exam. That's why, again, it's hard to make this diagnosis when it doesn't present the most typical way. Mm-hmm. Dr. Briggs, can you get into some of those incorrect answer explanations? Sure, of course. So let's go through these one at a time. Joyce A said chest X-ray and D-dimer. Well, lower lobe pneumonia or pulmonary embolism can also result to this patient's presentation in the stem with preferred pain in the abdomen. However, this patient doesn't have other symptoms suggestive of pneumonia, such as fever, cough, shortness of breath. This patient also is less likely to have a PE without any thoracic symptoms or abnormal vital signs, and therefore D-dimer is less likely to be helpful. And I would caution this. This is a 72-year-old female with nausea and vomiting and epigastric pain. I'm not sure D-dimer is a good idea here. (laughs) (laughs) Choice B, the one everybody probably went for, CT admin and pelvis with IV contrast. We kind of went into this already about why CT was not the right answer. Maybe it may be the right answer later on as part of her workup, but it's not emergent. And as Ultifa and I were saying, there's still some lab work to be done here that could explain her symptoms. And if not, you do, you know, re-examination of her abdomen and decide when uh, there needs to be a CT scan performed, um, if or when. The last choice here, choice D, pelvic exam with gonorrhea and chlamydia. Oh, man, I really hope, I really hope nobody <laughs> this. selected this. Yeah. We, you know, hey, shout out to a- ASAP for listing this as an answer choice, I guess. <laughs> they were like, let's just make it easy to at least mark out one of the answer choices. But man, <laughs> somebody selected this. Yeah. Hey, uh, don't be so judgmental. The rates of gonorrhea and chlamydia are d- doubling in the past 10 years with elderly population. Don't even start. So Fitzhugh Curtis, and I want you to think hard about that one, Fitzhugh Curtis syndrome is when pelvic inflammatory disease presents with perihepatic inflammation. It can present with right upper quadrant pain or epigastric pain with significant tenderness to palpation, which this patient doesn't have. A pelvic exam is likely to be of low utility in an elderly woman presenting with upper abdominal pain. No crap. <laughs> you got, hey, look, though, there was the one time I've diagnosed Fitzhugh Curtis was with, mm-hmm. with one of my just... A rock star residence back in the day. His name was Dr. Blake Briggs. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, please. Dr. Gaddy. And Dr. Gaddy, I told him after I examined the patient, I said, I think this patient has Fitzhugh Curtis syndrome. And he just bowled over and looked at me like I was crazy. And I don't know what it was. There's just something about the presentation. And it, she did end up having it. So after that, he, he literally, he 
anything I could ask him to do, he would do. He was just like, I'll do whatever you want. <laughs> Uh, shout out to Jeremiah Gaddy. Uh, love that guy. Ah, uh, love him. I love that guy. Let's take us out. And that's another board bomb delivered. Remember, you can find us on Twitter. Our handle is EM Board Bombs. Find us on Instagram as well. Uh, drop us an Apple review. Really appreciate those. And like we talked about earlier, you can check out our premium EM Rapid Bombs podcast, emrapidbombs.supercast.com where you can trial it out if you want before you dive in or check out some of the other offerings we have there for you. Uh, really appreciate all the support we've gotten, the, all the signups from all over the world. It's been really cool. Uh, apparently, we have listeners in Japan and Malaysia and other countries. It's pretty awesome. Bhutan, too. <laughs> right. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Appreciate the support. See you next time.